This is the Wake Up and Lead podcast. I'm your host, Hampton George, and our guest today, Teddy Mitrosilis, is going to start off by talking about consistency. He had seven people message him, seven different questions the other day, and the answer to all of them was consistency. You see, many of us are looking for an easy button in life, and it's not going to be there. You've got to show up every day over a long period of time in order to hit whatever goal that may be. Then we're going to transition into talking about when you're leading within an organization, a lot of times you're, you're looking around for top talent. So many organizations today are doing that, and that's great, but a lot of times there's talent right in front of you. You just have to lean in and develop them. So we'll talk about strategies for how to do that. And then finally, he talks about how everyone is a leader to someone. You don't have to have the corner office. You don't have to have the title. So whether you're waiting around for a leadership title to just be handed to you, whether you're waiting for top talent to just come knocking on your door and come work for you, or you're waiting for an easy button to show up for you to hit your goals, I think it's time for you to wake up and lead. The way I like to describe him is like, Teddy, he just gets it. I don't, I don't really know what that means, but he just he just gets it. And so I, I'm going to let him give a little bit of like his background who he is. He's got a lot of fun experiences and everything like that. So I'll let him tell a little bit of his story before we hop in and talk about um, some leadership topics today. Welcome to the show, Teddy. Thanks for having me, Hampton. Uh, if you ever figure out what just gets it means, I'd like to know too. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, pre- pre- appreciate you having me on and, uh, and excited for this. I'll give you the quick background on my story and I'm sure we'll dive in more. Uh, I don't want to bore anybody, but um, from a, from a personal standpoint, born and raised in Redondo beach, California, um, went out to North Carolina for school in Chapel Hill, bounced around a little bit for work up in the Northeast. Um, I'm married, got a wonderful wife named Lindsay. we've got a, a daughter who is about to be two, uh, in June. I'm not sure when you're listening to this. Um, and we are expecting our second daughter here in a couple months, uh, in August. So our family's growing. Uh, which is exciting. Um, former college athlete, now endurance athlete. So in my spare time, I, I like to stay active uh, uh, however we can. On the professional side, I, I started my career in the media business. Um, was a journalism major in college and then went to uh, ESPN and then did a stint at Fox Sports um, and then got into tech. Uh, joined a tech company uh, called Striver in 2016. There's about 15 people and helped grow that business to around 150 before I left. Um, typical early stage startup kind of ground floor experience, which was awesome. Um, and uh, along the way, did a lot of different things, built teams, managed people, um, helped build organizations, and really developed a passion for helping develop people. And, uh, and so now I spend uh, the majority of my time um, coaching. So uh, doing executive coaching for startups and some other individuals, and then also uh, getting back to writing a bunch. So if you see me on LinkedIn or Twitter, you'll, you'll see me pretty active there. Man, thank you for sharing some of your story. And I know there are um, a, a lot of parts that you skipped of that. I would not have been bored to hear more. Um, but I mean, it, it's really cool. And it's clear that you are passionate about people and leadership and and a big part of what we talk about here is leadership i mean how do you lead other people but in order to do that well 
you've got to be able to lead yourself. And I think that's one thing that I've seen you talk a lot about on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on getting to talk to you and learn from you. So I, I would just love to hear a little bit about, I mean, you're an endurance athlete. I mean, you got to tell us a little bit about like, about that, what that means. I mean, and do not, do not be humble. I mean, you were putting some serious <laughs> mileage in and I want to hear about that. But then even some of the like Navy SEAL training that you've done um, and then being a college athlete, I mean, it's clear that you are no stranger to hard work and grit. And I think there's a huge part of leading yourself. So just maybe talk to us a little bit about your experience with each of those things and then how you have seen what you've learned there help you be able to lead yourself well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll give a little background context. Um, so for me, I've been primarily forged it, at least from like four years old to 21 years old in an athletic arena. So um, we've all obviously are, are shaped by our own experiences. I have come much more from a um, practical earned life experience type of perspective and specifically athletics early on. Um, so growing up, that was just the way that I learned the best. Um, and my my parents, especially my dad, would use athletics as the arena and the vehicle to teach me lessons. Um, and as, as I got out of college and into the business world, um, the context changes. So I wasn't competing every day as an athlete, but I still learned the best from doing things. And obviously I read and study and do things like that. But what I really love to do, you mentioned Navy SEAL training. What I love to do is go find people who are world-class at whatever they do um, and learn from them, learn their process, learn their habits, learn their mindsets. And I take those lessons and it's very selfish. I, uh, I take it and apply it to my life first, but then through writing, through coaching, I like to share that with others. And so that is the the background context of how I learn and how I grow. And so from an early age, um, you know, you're talking about leading yourself. I remember being like six or seven years old and I was obsessed. I was like uncommonly obsessed with baseball at that age. And so my dad and I, we would spend almost every night in the garage. I had like a batting tee and a net. And we would spend hours just hitting balls off a tee. I'm like six years old, seven years old. And I remember my dad telling me, it's the little things every day that will make you great. And he repeated that all the time. And he was talking about baseball at that age. And it took me probably 25 years to realize that he actually was talking about life. He was talking about being a husband. He was talking about being a dad. He was talking about being a friend, right? A teammate, a colleague, whatever. Um, it's the little things and it's the little things every day. Those are the two components there that really matter. It's, it's both. And so for me, that was how I was raised and sort of shaped my mindset early on. And um, I think it all starts there. It's, it's how you manage yourself, how you develop yourself. What are your habits and your routines? Um, that sets the foundation for whatever you can offer to somebody else, you know, and I, mm. I talk to people all the time and, and it's like, if you, if you cannot, um, if you cannot manage yourself, how can you expect or lead yourself? How can you expect to lead anybody else? Mm. And so that, 
that for me is where it, the foundation um, is set. And then you build on top of it from there. Man, that is so good. Um, but it's also hard. That's not always the answer that we want to hear. <laughs> you, you post about this a lot. I, I've learned a lot about this recently. We all want an easy button. We want a silver bullet. We want to know how, how do I make it to the top? How do I become the CEO? Like, and one thing I've, I've seen you say is like, it's, it's just consistency. And that's awesome that your dad taught you that from a young age. Um, but I mean, more people, that's just what we need to hear. If you have a goal, a lot of times it's just going to be making a plan and then showing up every single day, even though it's really challenging. So talk to us a little bit about like consistency and habits and how you go about like creating those. <laughs> Teddy posted this on LinkedIn the other day. He said, I've had seven people ask me seven different questions and the answer to all of them has been consistency. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a good way to tee up this question. How, how does consistency look in your life? <laughs> I joke with people that if I'm not already the most boring follow on LinkedIn, I'm soon going to be because I'm just going to show up and say it's consistency every day and then I'm going to log off. Oh my um, gosh. Consistency is interesting to me. I'm, I'm fascinated by the topic because nobody that I've heard would argue it's not important, but so many people struggle with it. And I am in the process of really diving deep down that rabbit hole and, and trying to unravel what is it? Why are some people good with it? Why do some people struggle? And for the folks who struggle, how can you help them be better? Um, a couple of things come to mind just from my, my own experience. Um, the first major mistake that I feel like people tend to make is they prioritize intensity mm. over consistency. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, let's say you want to improve your physical fitness. So you set a goal to go to the gym five times a week, and you're going to spend an hour at the gym each time. To me, that's intensity. That's an hour, mm -hmm. five times a week. That's a lot. If you're starting from zero, if you don't have a habit built or routine built, that's a lot. And what you see is maybe the first week goes well, maybe the second week goes well. By the third week, by the fourth week, you're probably not going five times anymore. You're probably going a couple and you may not be going for an hour. Maybe you're going less. And by like month two, certainly by month three, if you're going at all anymore, you're just going when it feels convenient or when you can muster up the motivation. And that concept applies to anything. I mean, you'll see people who try to read a book a week. You'll see people who try to make 200 sales calls a day, like mm -hmm. apply to whatever you want. Whereas I think the power uh, is really in inverting that and prioritizing consistency. And consistency is a muscle that you build. And the, the more that you can work it, the stronger it becomes. And I don't want to say the easier it gets, but the more you ingrain the, the motion of working that muscle. And so what I often tell people when they ask me about this, and this is, by the way, this is all learned experience and I've made a thousand mistakes. This is how I think about it for myself is I break things down to the smallest possible task and the easiest task. And I have to break things down to where they feel so easy where I can't not do them. Mm. 
So if I'm building something from scratch, let's just use the fitness example. If I'm building a fitness habit from scratch, my first goal is going to be something like do 50 push-ups a day and I'll break them up however I can do it. I might do 10 sets of five. And if I'm being honest with myself, like I can't not do that. The only reason I wouldn't do that is just because it's just not important enough to me. Yeah. Um, but if, if you are, if you are feeling overwhelmed or if you are feeling like something uh, is too much, it's not small enough yet. And mm. the, the trick there is it can feel like you're not making progress if you are doing something like 50 push-ups or even 10 push-ups or even walking for 15 minutes a day. That doesn't feel like progress day to day. You're like, nothing's happening. But a lot is happening. What you're, what you're building is the, the muscle of showing up every day. And you're also building the mindset that you're a consistent person and that you're a person that does this thing that you're doing. And that builds confidence. It builds momentum. Um, and that starts to compound pretty quickly. But you have to get through that early phase where you're not going to see tangible results. And you're not even going to feel oftentimes like you're doing much. But to me, that's how consistency is built. And that, that is good. I, I, I may be hearing a little bit of atomic habits there. Uh, the, the, the art of showing up. I mean, you've just got to show up. And I like the line that you said, like, if, if you're struggling to be consistent, maybe it's not small enough yet. So break down whatever it is into something that's smaller. And one thing that I've found is, and, and recently I've been getting back into more like cold calling and everything. So if you're listening to this, I'm probably going to cold call you. Um, but like I used to do it all the time. It, it was a no brainer. I would show up every day and do it. And then now I'm making excuses. I'm feeling bad for myself. And it's because I've got to start small again and build back up and build that discipline. Um, one thing that I've said, it's whether you're, you know, if you're, if you're trying to lose weight or get back into the gym, don't step on the scale or look in the mirror until like a month. Or if you're trying to pay off debt, like don't worry so much about exactly how much you paid off until like a month or so. Or my, my example is playing the guitar. The amount of times I've picked up a guitar Teddy, <laughs> and tried to strum it for two days and then had calluses on my fingers and quit is countless. And that's the thing. It's like, if you can make it over that wall of whatever it is, two weeks, three weeks, a month, a year, that's, that's really where the habit gets, gets built right there. So um, that's big time. Okay. So one thing you said, you talked about, like, sometimes people start too, too hard and too fast. Um, and, and we see that, 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 that can turn into burnout. And I, I've heard you talk about this a lot of how maybe back in the day you used to get up at 5am and work till midnight and, um, just, just work yourself to death to try to work harder than everyone. And maybe there's seasons to, to do that, but eventually we probably, it probably does lead to burnout. I know that your family is super important to you. Um, and I really admire that a lot about you. So just talk to me a little bit, how you've, you've, as someone who is, uh, intent, willing to be intense, like you, how do you balance not like overworking yourself and being able to prioritize things like family? Yeah, it's a great question. And Balance is one of those words that is pretty polarizing these days. You have the people who feel like it's, it's not even reasonable to expect balance if you're building something. And then you have people who are like, it's all about balance. And if you're ever out of balance, you have a problem. Um, to me, I think the, the truth is somewhere in between. And it balance is different for everybody. And you can use a different word if you want. Like I've, 
Uh, I know people who use the word boundaries, not balance, life boundaries, um, what, whatever it is. For me, it's, it's less about balance and it's more about being deliberate about what's important to you in your life. And a lot of this comes with um, experience and a lot of it comes with just growth. This has been a big form of personal growth for me. And different seasons of life will, will have um, you know, different equations here, right? Like when I was just starting out in my career in the media business out of college, I was living in, I was 22 years old, living in central Connecticut. Um, Connecticut is dark and cold for half the year. And I lived a mile from ESPN's headquarters. And I was probably at the office for 18 hours a day. And there were times where I slept under my desk. And there was this great gym. ESPN has a great gym right across from my office building. Great gym, great shower, great cafeteria. And I'm like, what else do I need? I've got it. I've got it all right here. And there were times where I didn't go home for a couple of days. And so now I look back at that and I don't, um, I don't criticize myself for doing it. I totally understand. I was 22. I was trying to get started in my career. I was building, um, you know, a reputation for myself. I was trying to create value. And so I don't regret that whatsoever. Um, but what I learned along the way, it took me probably five years of those kind of habits to get to a point where I got super burnt out. Um, and I just realized that this is not sustainable for me. Um, I started to see my, not so much my physical health, at least externally deteriorate. Maybe it was internally, but more of my relationships um, the other aspects of my life, you know, my faith, my friendships, I just neglected them because they weren't priority. I didn't make the space for them. Um, obviously, then as you get older, you know, my wife and I, we've been married for five years, um, another kid on the way, your life takes on different demands and you have to think about that and think about, okay, what is important to me? And, and, uh, and there's a great, there's a great quote that I love, um, and I'm, I might get it slightly wrong, but it's uh, it's love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. And so I think about that a lot, and I think about what are the different buckets in my life that that need time, and I'm very deliberate in how I plan and allocate time. But the thing, the thing I'll say here is nobody can tell you what what balance should or should not be. And no one can tell you what it looks like or doesn't look like for you. And nobody can make you uh, do anything. Like you have to be the one to take ownership of your life and what matters to you. And there definitely are seasons and times to go for it and where, where you do prioritize intensity. I don't always prioritize consistency. Sometimes I do prioritize intensity, but the key to me anyway, is being deliberate about it and knowingly doing it mm. and not falling into just this way of life where it's just the way you live and the days fly by and the years fly by and you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing or what you're doing. It's just kind of autopilot. That yeah. to me is, is something to be aware of. But, you know, if you're, if you're taking on a big goal or, or you're, 
building something, there may be times where you've got to go to, I shouldn't say you've got to, it, the thing that might be right for you is to go to the extreme on one end for a little while. And that's, that's totally okay as long as you are aware of it and know why you're doing it and, and communicate it to the people in your life that need to be in the loop with you. Mm. Man, that is awesome. And so many great points there. I would watch a live footage of 22-year-old Teddy working at ESPN, just grinding and then going to the gym. That that sounds like a good time. I'm not sure how Lindsay would feel about you um, doing something like that now. Because <laughs> I mean, the most boring, play. boring footage ever, man. <laughs> oh, man. But like you said it, I mean, love is spelled T-I-M-E. And, and when people... And, and again, I'm not trying to beat on other people. There's, there's certain areas of weakness I have, but one thing I found is I used to say, well, I don't have time for that. It's like, no, that's just, that's not a priority. You don't, you probably don't care about it. Um, so we make time for what's important to us. And I think knowing that we'll never drift to our desired destination, like you said, as long as we are deliberate about where we're spending our time and then we communicate to those around us who we love you know, why we're spending our time that way and, and they're okay with it, then then I think you're on the right track. So balance is not the same for everyone. We need to have boundaries, like you said. So, so much wisdom there. I'm going to listen back to this and write all this down. Uh, <laughs> this you know, one good. thing, w- one thing that's just a little more tactical. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, okay, how do I, um, how do I navigate this a little bit? So I'll, I'll give you one tactical thing that I do. Um, I have what I call personal non-negotiables. So they are things in my life that I absolutely need to have in order to be healthy, to be well, to be at my best. And they are what it sounds like. They are non-negotiable. There's nothing that I will sacrifice them for. And I'll give you some examples. They're very simple. So for me personally, there are three different pillars of wellness, if you will, um, that I need to do every day. I need to do something to nourish my body. I need to do something to nourish my mind. And I need to do something to nourish my soul. Those three pillars make me, um, help me be well and help me have something in the tank to give people. Sometimes I, I have very limited time in a day, but I still hit those three pillars. Five minutes of stretching could be the physical. Um, reading something, a book for five minutes could be the mental prayer for two minutes could be this, the soul, like that's 12 minutes. And I hit them. The point is just that I'm deliberate and I, and I do them every day. Some, usually it's more than that, but it's, it's not hours ever. Um, cause there's a lot going on. Um, the other thing, one of the other, the personal non-negotiables I have is, um, at night. So from from like five o'clock is, is usually when we shut our work day down to the time that our daughter goes to bed um, is family time. That's, that's the time that we have with our daughter. We don't really see her during the day. She's with, with a nanny. Um, we see her for a very short amount of time in the morning after she wakes up. So those, those two to three hours at most at night, is our window to be with our daughter and to be, to be a family, have dinner, play, right? So to get me to go to a, a dinner, it takes a lot. Um, and so sometimes I will say yes to that. 
um, then I'll make up the time that I didn't have with my daughter and Lindsay, uh, my wife, uh, elsewhere. Um, but that's a that block is a personal non-negotiable. Um, outside of those things, you know, and then I, there's a couple with, with between Lindsay and I as just a husband and a wife where we have time together. Um, outside of those things, I will I'll do a lot depending on the season I'm in. Like I will work at night. Sometimes I will work on the weekends. Sometimes I'll do you know, something for myself because I, I just need a little bit of me time. Right. So uh, again, like ba- balance is whatever you define that as for me, defining what are your non-negotiables is a nice way to put those things onto your calendar set in stone. And then around it, you, you do what you need to do based on what's priority for you. Um, mm. And I'm not perfect. Look, like I, I struggle with this a lot. You know, as much as I talk about consistency, I still struggle with consistency. And I think giving yourself grace is a yeah. big part of it too. You know, you're not going to be perfect and and that's all right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, giving ourselves grace is, is definitely always important to do, but I love the, the, the body, mind and soul. And even if it is a small portion of your day, that's non-negotiable that that's the art of showing up. Like we talked about. So when you show up on the day, when you don't feel like you have a lot of time, you're going to show up on the next day too. And that compounds year over year for year. And I'm seeing that in you. And then the other thing is maybe, maybe you don't have a ton of time with your daughter every night or with Lindsay, but it's clear that because it's a non-negotiable, like the, the amount of focus time that you're spending, like I, I bet your daughter appreciates those two to three hours so much more than like a kind of here and there throughout like the whole day, because like you are present there with her. Um, and you're able to do that because it's really important to you. Um, I now know if, if I'm ever in um, L.A. Or, or, or close to where you live, I, I won't ask you to go to dinner. Um, maybe, maybe I'll shoot <laughs> for a lunch. Uh, <laughs> okay, quick transition here. So we've talked, this is a lot about like leading ourselves. I mean, if, if you are thinking about consistency and, and some of the things that we've talked about, um, you're going to be in a good position then to, to hopefully be able to lead other people. Um, and so... Uh, one thing I've seen Teddy talk about a lot, he posted something about this the other day, uh, great leaders fire themselves. Um, so you see that and you're like, Wait, what, what does that mean? Well, I, I in, unless, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would put this in like the delegation category. Um, find somebody that can do what you're doing um, better than you. Uh, and so one thing that we say here at Wild Spark a lot is like, we, we're looking for leaders that want to multiply themselves, that want to empower and equip other leaders and a lot of times that takes humility because people find things that they love doing um, and they don't want to give it away, but that's, that's leadership, empowering somebody else. So sorry, I'm, I'm getting fired up about this if you can't tell, but, but talk to me a little bit about like firing yourself. What, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, to me, it's, it's delegation is part of it, but it's less about delegation and it's more about development. So to me, a leader at their most effective is high level here, looking up and out, right? They're thinking about the future. They are working, you know, on the business more than in the business. Um, They are looking at what is coming. They're seeing around corners. Um, They're clearing roadblocks for a team. They're doing all these kind of things, right? And a, a great leader to me is somebody who is continuously looking to develop other people into leaders and giving them more and more responsibility where ultimately 
the leader can continue to grow themselves and level up and take on new and different things because they have a pipeline of talented leaders coming up behind them. Um, to me, that's that's essential if you are growing as a team, as an organization, mm -hmm. as a company. If um, if you're not growing, I would still say it's essential because one of the one of the ways, in my experience, to kill culture and morale the fastest is to just have stagnation. Mm -hmm. uh, I've I've worked myself in companies and in jobs where leaders sit and there is not this culture of development and growth and pushing the organization to be better. And in my experience, this may not be you know universally true, but in my experience, that is a great way to breed mediocrity in an organization. Yeah. And then you get, you know, your talented driven people, they will be there for a time, but they will move on because they are not being challenged and supported in the ways that they want to be. So mm. firing yourself as a leader is more of a visual than a, than a literal thing, but it is, it's, it's the aspiration of develop people to do your job so you can continually look forward for the organization and, and, and continue to work on what is going to be important next because you've built a strong team uh, that has continued to grow themselves. Oh, wow. Uh, I say this a lot for those of you that know me. I was about to say that fires me up, but I feel like I overuse it. I just get fired up a lot. But like you, you talk about this a lot, Teddy, because you look on LinkedIn, you, you look in our world and everyone says, we need top talent. I can't find any talent. And, and the, the reason for that is because or Craig Rochelle has an amazing leadership podcast. And he says that people ask him all the time, how do you have all these amazing leaders? And he's like, well, we develop them internally. And you say that a lot. I see on LinkedIn and Twitter, it's like people are always looking around to find the better leaders when really they might be in front of you. It's just going to take some work to develop them. Um, and that, that's what I hear you saying. Um, so something you talked about the other day is like leaders make room at the table uh, for other people. And I imagine that's like, you know, allowing other diverse perspectives in. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, part of that is related to what we just talked about, where in order to develop people, I believe you have to give them opportunities to be in rooms, to be in conversations, to be part of the process of what they will have to do at the next level, so to speak. Um, that's one way to develop them. But I, I also believe it's an essential part of just good decision making and, and making sure that as a, as a leadership team, you are not disconnected from the front lines, so to speak. And so it's not just about a good development or, or employee morale or good culture. To me, it's just good business. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you are working on a problem or if you are working on a strategy or whatever it is, you're thinking about goals for the year. To me, it is smart to when it makes sense, go get people around the organization that have direct um, experience working with your customers, or they have very specific subject matter expertise, or they, they come from a perspective that is different than you or your, your group of leaders, and will bring some information, will bring an idea, will bring an opinion, 
to the conversation uh, that's different. You may not mm-hmm. always um, implement the idea. You may not make a different decision, what have you. That's that's different. But to me, it it fosters better dialogue. It fosters um, better decision making, and it really helps or, or can really help plug some of the uh, the blind spots that you can have. You know, the higher up you go in an organization, you know, the more space there can be between you and the customer, the market the team doing the work on the ground. And it's really important, I think, to be aware of that and mm-hmm. to be proactive about, about filling those gaps. Yeah. Great answer right there. All right. So this next question I'm about to hit you with, um, and, and we're wrapping up here, but I think this is going to speak to the maybe person that doesn't have a leadership title, but then also someone that does. So one thing I saw you talk about also is that leadership isn't necessarily about having the corner office, you know, so to the leader that you know, is, is that has the opportunity to have that corner office and has the title and everything speak to it from that perspective. And then to the person that doesn't have the leadership title that might think, Oh, one day, like, I can't wait to lead when I get that title. Um, I can't wait to get there. So if you can speak to that from like both perspectives, as far as like a challenge or like a mindset, if you will, I think that'd be great. Well, to me, a a title doesn't make you a leader. A a Mm -hmm. title makes you a manager. Yeah. or it makes you something else, but it's not a leader. Um, to me, leadership is a behavior. It's, it's a way of being, it's a belief system. Um, I'm really passionate about the concept that everybody is and can be a leader. T- to me, there's somebody in your life, no matter who you are, and you may not know it, but there's somebody in your life who looks to you as an example, or looks to you for inspiration, or is trying to follow in your footsteps. And, and I'm not just talking about the professional setting. Like to me, leadership is so much bigger than work. It's, it's often most meaningful in our families, in our communities, mm-hmm. in our friend, friend circles, right? All aspects of our life. Um, you know, wh- wherever there's a group of people, there's leadership happening. And so, so to me, that is a mindset, a fundamental mindset shift that um, I believe everybody should embrace. It doesn't matter if you're going to manage people or lead an organization or not in, an, in a company, you can and are a leader. Some of the best leaders that I know are in individual contributor roles, but they are the people that uh, others go to, to help them. They inspire others right? They set an example. Uh, they're the person that you think of, you know, when you're working through something, you're like, man, I wonder what Hampton would say right now, right? Those people, that's nothing to do with their title. It has everything to do with who they are. Um, so I don't know if, um, if I would challenge anybody in, in any way, but I, I guess what I would do is encourage um, anyone who doesn't think they are a leader or can lead, I would encourage you to rethink that and realize how how you do lead now and how you can lead now and the way that i define leadership and this may just be my simple mind but i really like to keep things simple and i and i don't really like jargon and theories and all this sort of ambiguous language to me leadership is somebody is at point a and they want to be at point b can you help them and somebody can be replaced with a team, 
an organization, a company, a church, a community, a country, like if they're at point A and they want to be at point B, can you help them? That is leadership to me at its most basic, simple human terms. Everybody is capable of doing that for somebody. And so for the leader, the quote unquote leaders, as we, how we typically define them in the professional setting, I would just encourage you to, to build and encourage and foster a culture where you have an organization that thinks like leaders. You have a bunch of people that think like leaders. Um, that is unbelievably powerful. You know, it's one of the, you mentioned uh, some of the Navy SEAL training I've done at the, in, earlier in this conversation. One of the biggest principles I've gotten out of the time I've spent with SEALs is I've, I've asked them, I said, why are your SEAL platoons such effective teams? And there's a million reasons for that. But one of the reasons is it's a team of individuals who think like leaders and operate as a unit. So each one of those individuals views themselves as a leader and understands the dynamic of when to lead, when to follow, how to step up, how to step back, how to rotate in the context of the team, right? But that's not possible if you don't view yourself as a leader or having that potential. And so I, I am really passionate about that. Maybe, maybe more than any other leadership topic, it's that anybody can be a leader, buddy. Anybody can be a leader and everybody is. Wow. I have no comment. Teddy's not holding a mic, but if he was, he would have just dropped it after that. Um, that was awesome. Nothing more to add. Totally agree with you and everything. So as we're wrapping up here, if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, wow, this Teddy guy, he seems like the man. I want to learn more from him. I want to, I want to get in touch with him. Like, where, where, where can I find you, Teddy? Well, Anthony, you do a great job of uh, making me sound smarter than I am and choking my <laughs> ego. But uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can find me there. I would love to engage. Um, would love to support you. If I can, feel free to reach out. Okay. Well, Teddy, thank you so much for all of the wisdom today. I have learned a ton. And for those of you listening to me, um, I was introduced recently introduced to the idea of learning in public. And that's what this podcast is. So I'm selfishly doing this to, to learn from people like Teddy. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, have a good one.